I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning, and welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB. I am reporting again from behind political enemy lines in the the state of California, and I, and I mean the politics of the state of California, not the people. They've, they've really been very friendly, and I'll tell you one thing. I, I've talked about it before. I, when they started to try to roll out another COVID freakout on us, man, I really thought I was in the worst place, in, uh, maybe on the planet. <laughs> California, New York, Michigan is not where you want to be if they start trying to roll COVID out on you. I'll say I have probably seen fewer masks in the state of California over the past month than I would see two months ago, three months ago, in the Kroger in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, some schools out here, I saw headlines, they had canceled some high school football. Again, these poor kids, they work so hard, get so excited to be the big man on campus and go out and show their stuff in front of the the crowds and the cheerleaders and... These adults, these, these children posing as adults just destroy their season. So some of that is gone on. I haven't seen that. And of course, while I've been out here, I do watch the local news. They've been passing laws to take kids from parents for not supporting their gender choice of the day. Someone put out a great video to dad. He sits his son down at a table and he offers him $10,000 cash or two Oreos. The kid takes the two Oreos. And the dad says, are you sure? That's what you want. This is $10,000. You can have that or two Oreos. And the kid takes the two Oreos. And the caption, the title of this is, this is why you don't let your children pick their gender. (laughs) Makes a great point. California is attacking parents who do not affirm the decision of a four-year-old, I guess. They've also known that, uh, it's been known out here that stealing under $950 in California is no biggie. No biggie. And theft has skyrocketed. You know, I wanted to go to Santa Monica. I am actually up in the high desert, not on the ocean. So I wanted to go visit a beach. And I I ask a few people, where should I go? How far away is Santa Monica from here? Because I remember being here years ago in Santa Monica, there was something to it. It It was a neat little place. It was pretty. A lot of shops, a lot of stuff to do. Every person I said... I'm thinking about going to the beach and checking out Santa Monica. They said, no, d- don't go there. Don't don't go there. That's no good. Santa Monica and Venice Beach, they basically said, no, you do not want to go there. It's not safe. It's not nice. It's dirty. I mean, just unbelievable what they have done to these towns. On the news this morning, they were saying they are starting a new rental assistance program. For anybody who is behind on their rent right now, of course, this was regardless of immigration status as well. 
And, and the woman who was, I guess, in charge of this program was interviewed, and she said it was needed because the, the COVID assistance ended, you know, the, uh, the prohibition on evictions during COVID, that's over, so they need a new system in place. Three years now, three years of people not paying rent. She was talking about people that were six, eight, twelve. $30,000 behind in their mortgage, and they were needing some help. I got to tell you, I have traveled a great deal of at least the local uh, Southern California area. I don't see any closed businesses during COVID. If you haven't found a job by now, if you can't make the money to make your rent, you're in a place you shouldn't be. Now, I don't know that, you know, the, the thing is, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this later, is that so many of these programs, we think, oh, look at that, you know, I mean, it's, it's stupid. We, we know this is stupid. It just distorts the market. It keeps rents high. Uh, it, it does all kinds of terrible things. It sounds so loving. But, of course, a lot of these things, you know, there's landlords in the background going, hey, I cannot get these people to pay. How about you guys get the taxpayers to pay for rent for people who are behind so I can get my money? You won't let me kick them out, but maybe you could, you know, slide me a little something, something. And that's one of the things that's happening out here. Gas, gasoline in California, over $6 a gallon now. So I don't know what it is where you are right now, but enjoy it. I'm sure you're complaining, but it could be worse. There are stations out here charging $7, $7.49 a gallon out here in California. And I continue to talk to people who want to leave this state. And I don't, I don't get into political conversations with them. That's, that's not my role in what I'm doing in California. I don't, it, when I have a conversation with a regular person and we're enjoying talking to each other and handling some business, the last thing I want to do is be the turd in the punch bowl that starts talking politics because it's just the worst thing. But I get the sense, you know, you want to talk about election fraud? I believe California has probably had it for decades, as the majority of the states probably have. Because I'm not running into a lot of people that say, oh, I just love the state and everything they do for the people. No. People out here seem exactly like people in every other state I've visited. They grumble about the prices. They grumble about their government. They don't like the, they want to leave. Kind of interesting anyway. I guess I don't need it today, but on Monday I was given a public service announcement on behalf of the U.S. military. They sent me something that just said, hey, uh... Uh, we we kind of lost an $80 million plane. Now, that's the retail cost, of course. Uh, this is the notorious, the infamous F-35. It's cost about a trillion dollars to make this thing. And, and this public service announcement, they, they said, well, you know, it doesn't work real well. And now, gosh darn it, one of them has escaped without his pilot. <laughs> so, so, uh... If you happen to see an $80 million plane, uh, $80 million of taxpayer money screaming through the air around you, if you would, give us a call at 1-800-BOONDOGGLE. That's 1-800-BOONDOGGLE. And please, the message went on to say, please do not, if, if you find it, do not attempt to fly it yourself because our own heavily trained pilots can barely control the damn thing. So uh, Lockheed Martin... Thanks, you suckers, for the trillion bucks for this thing. Now they lost one. Apparently they found it in tiny, tiny pieces somewhere in South Carolina. Also, it did say at the bottom of this thing, don't forget to make sure you report that $600 you earned on eBay to the IRS. They're going to need to uh, 
they're going to need to pay for another plane. Speaking of that, I guess I'll go ahead and hit this here. You know, Smedley Butler was right. And I've talked about it since the day I came on air. War is such a racket. And the Ukraine war is it's good, good for business. This year, it's bigger than ever. Nearly 3,000 companies have turned up to London's Excel Centre. Over 100 countries have sent delegations. And if you're looking to expand and modernise your country's armed forces, this is the place to be. It's the place to be. The war in Ukraine exerts a strong influence. The country has its own stand, but the conflict is also shaping the priorities of the global arms industry. Much in evidence are drones of all sizes and capabilities, and given their success on the battlefield, systems to defeat them are now a priority for everyone. In our market, we can see every day on the battlefield that drones are used every day in huge quantities. That is the threat we are addressing with our products. You've got to love what are the problem, uh, reaction, solution. you got to love the arms. you you got to hand it to the arms industry. On, on a whole bunch of different things, they really made some wise investments. You know, you can buy a Congress critter for like $10,000, and they get $800 billion a year in contracts, something along those lines. I guess some of that's soldier salaries. You know, our soldiers are getting rich, right? That, that's the whole point of the military is to make sure our men and women in uniform are, are prosperous. No, 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 no. That $800, $900 billion a year we spend is for defense contracts. But you got to love it, much like... Uh, the U.S. government, the CIA creates ISIS, and then we fund the war against ISIS. It's the same thing. We, we create these deadly drones, weaponize them, and then the next business is defeating the drones that we started in the first place. We, uh, we have developed the top-notch counter-drone system uh, to secure... Ukrainian forces as well as Polish and NATO forces. The war has also underlined the importance of things some thought were no longer needed. Tanks, long-range artillery and shells. Ukraine uses 7,000 a day. Thank you, U.S. taxpayer. Inventories are running low, so production is ramping up. The war in Ukraine is also changing government spending priorities. Defence budgets are going up everywhere and armed forces are being reconfigured to meet new challenges. That means billions of dollars worth of defence contracts are up for grabs. Oh. This is just not a hard one. It is not a hard one for people not only in the United States but around the world to wake up to. And I think a whole lot of people have, but a whole lot of people haven't. A whole lot of people out there still flying that Ukraine flag, still saying we need to turn the Middle East into glass. There's a whole bunch of people who understand. This is what really cracks me up. There's people who will tell you, yeah, they lied to us about Pearl Harbor. They lied to us about the Gulf of Tonkin that got us into Vietnam. They lied to us about weapons of mass destruction. They lied to us about, you know, about Syrian president gassing his own people. They lied to us about this. They lied that they'll say, but, but we still need to. Did you see that we gave Iran $6 billion of their own money back? They get angry at that because they believe the government when they talk about Iran. They can actually see what's going on with Russia and this demonization of Russia and understand that that's a giant con job. But then they will say the same thing. I know they're lying to me about Russia, but China now, they're telling us the truth about China and Taiwan. 
it's quite it's quite interesting to, to watch people see one thing and be completely unable to see the rest of it. But anyway, in completely unrelated news to the bonanza that is this arms industry thing with record attendance and record contracts being floated around, the United States just passed $33 trillion in debt on Monday. It was over a trillion dollars in just a few weeks, I believe, maybe four or five weeks, a trillion dollars. So my message to you lazy people out there is you need to start working harder and more hours. D Democrats you out there, you need to just chip in some extra for sure. And, and what's amazing about this figure, as horrific as it is, it, it won't matter to about 95% of the people until it matters. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, I guess it's akin to smokers. You can smoke and smoke and smoke. It doesn't really matter until you get cancer. And then you realize, oh, all those people who told me I might get cancer were right. I didn't worry about it for 30 years. Well, it's the same with the debt. But just to put this in some level of perspective that I don't really hear mentioned very often is we are adding these trillions and trillions of dollars over the past two to three years. I mean, just on steroids, all this spending. We are not in a recession. By, by their metrics, they tell us we're in a great economy with very low unemployment. And this is not by, again, the government's admission, this is not even wartime. At least, again, by their metrics, we know we're fighting this proxy war against Russia and gearing up for one against China. But in a time where we're not in a recession and not in a major war, we somehow are running up record Budget deficits. Can you even imagine? Can you even imagine when we are in a real recession, possibly a very deep recession, or if we are in the middle of a real hot war that requires us to feed more money to the military-industrial complex? Can you even imagine what kind of deficits we're going to run? This is in the good times, they tell us. Now, look, you and I know what's going on. We're not in this great economy. We are probably already in recession. My argument is we've been in and out of recession for the past 15 years because of the way they calculate it. But regardless, this is during a time of peace and no recession, and we're spending this amount of money. And, you know, I've been looking at this, and I, I study the economy. I see cracks in the auto market, in the housing market, all these other things. Get ready for the bailouts. Get ready for the bailouts. Not for you, of course. Uh, they'll throw you, uh, what was the precedent they set during COVID? You'll stand, you'll stand down for $1,200. So they may throw us a little something-something just to get us to sit down and shut up. But they are already bailing out the banks. And I don't have time to get into it, but they've set up a facility. The banks have lost a ton of money on, on uh, their treasury holdings. Monies that they keep and invest into uh, government bonds have lost a ton of value, but in, so if they sell them, they got to recognize this loss. So the Fed has been saying, well, you know, take that thing that's worth 60 cents on the dollar, give it to us, we'll give you 100 cents on the dollar. And I believe the latest figure I saw was $200 billion in a month has been flowing to the banks. This is basically a backdoor bailout of the banks that's been going ongoing right now for three or four months, I believe once the uh, bond market issue became widely known. So the, I can see it already coming now. We got the UAW thing I'm going to talk about in just a second. So they're going to bail out car companies. They're going to bail out the airlines, the banks, the insurance companies, 
everything Wall Street will be bailed out again. And you and I will pay for it. Anyone? Anyone? How we're going to pay for it? Not through taxes. Not through. Uh, see, they don't have the cojones to raise your taxes because you might whine about that. So you will pay through it for it uh, through skyrocketing inflation as it comes down. Of course, the Republicans will tell you they're going to cut your taxes. So you'll bend the knee to them and allow them that they'll allow you to keep a little bit more of your money. How, how are those Trump tax cuts working out for everybody over the past few years? Everybody feeling rich and prosperous? <laughs> yeah, the Republicans are great at telling you they're going to cut your taxes while they continue to spend your money. Last thing on that. Oh, here's a headline that got me going. The headline that I saw was clickbait to me that says, Employers still adding jobs and boosting pay? The government. This was a Wall Street Journal article. We are running... Again, we're spending, you know, running deficits in the trillions and trillions of dollars, bankrupting our entire country. It's national suicide, destroying our children's future. This is a Wall Street Journal article. The big employer still adding jobs and boosting pay? The government. As many companies slow hiring, the public sector is adding workers. And just a little bit from this story, it says, while many companies have been cutting staff and freezing new hires this year, the government is laying out the welcome mat. But just as layoffs hit sectors from tech to finance, government agencies have boosted funding for new hires and have dangled richer perks. This year's growth in public sector jobs represents the highest share of overall U.S. payroll gains since 2001, when the government hired masses of workers focused on public safety after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. We're back to 9-11 hiring levels. At the government level. We're all going to be working for the government before it's all said and done, aren't we? All right, got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Stick around. I was born a shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand Yeah And that's why they call me I'm only one segment into the show. It's already gotten away from me. <laughs> I have got this clip. I played a, a portion of it a couple of weeks ago. There, there are more and more of these videos going out by, you can tell these are working people, solidly middle-class people. Boy, if they'd listened to the Mike Madison show for the last seven years, they would have heard me say, uh, if you don't get control of this government spending, this poverty stuff that you kind of look down on with the, the poor and the working poor, it's coming for you too. <clears throat> I am I'm well on record explaining that uh, since I came on air. Well, it's it's here. It's here for a lot of people. And I see more and more videos, both here and in Canada. It's really happening across the Western world, which is so interesting. You know, the poorer nations, the third world nations, they're closing the gap between standard of living. It's not because they're coming up. It's because we're heading down. But I've got the whole clip of this this one girl who really, she was upset because she's trying her best. They're making more money than they've ever made, but they can't keep up. And the, the parents and grandparents are saying, well, what are you doing? What's wrong with y'all? Why can't you manage your money? And she explains it. But I want to do this clip. I'll probably do it for a show. Because I could stop this thing every 10 seconds and explain to you why what she's talking about was created by the government. 
And if people ever understood that, because when I come back after this next break, we're going to talk about the UAW and what a swing and a miss this strike is for them. It's not just about showing up and doing your job. I'm not really anti-union. I'll, I'll explain my stance on unions in a second. But it's just when you misdiagnose the problem, don't be surprised when the problem gets worse. You misdiagnose it. You, you take an action based on a wrong diagnosis. We see plenty of this in the medical community. And the situation gets worse. I ran across this message from somebody, somebody on Twitter, they go by Nuclear Taco, but it's a mom who's in real estate talking about she and her son and their sales career these days. She said, quote, my son sells cars and was telling me that a customer had an 830 credit score and the best interest rate he could give him is 8.5%. Five exclamation marks. It's absolutely out of control. Single exclamation point. The same goes for buying houses. I'm a realtor and selling a home is almost impossible. Now, I'm not mad at this woman. There are certainly a lot of great people out there selling cars, selling houses, selling all kinds of things that are struggling right now with the higher interest rates. But what they don't realize, and pardon me for triggering any of you out there that might hear this, you've basically been government welfare recipients for the past 15 years. Now, lots of these people who work hard for a living and they're good at what they do. God love you if you sell houses, sell cars. That's absolutely fantastic. You're productive members of society and wonderful people. But if you're outraged about the idea of all the welfare programs out there doling out money, essentially these industries and in housing and in cars and stuff have been the beneficiaries of endless government and Fed money printing. They thought that they were just genius salespeople, huge commissions over the course of these years since the great financial crisis, like, like, kind of like day traders. <laughs> who caught a money-printing cycle and just mistook it for genius. This always, this always ends in tears when the next bear market comes, when the, when the economy crashes, which it will again. But what car salesmen, what realtors got actually was, while they may be great salespeople, and they may be wonderful people, please understand, I'm not mad at you, I'm not condescending to you, but what you have to understand about your industry is you got years of buying demand pulled forward by these cheap zero interest rates. You pretty much used the government policy, Fed policy, to make money almost cost nothing with these cheap interest rates. And you took a bunch of people that jumped into the housing market way more than would have before. They moved up, right? They got the bigger house. They... they they bought a second house. They bought an Airbnb. Oh, houses were selling all over the place. But it wasn't because there was this, this demand of this growth of the family unit in the United States. No. No, it was natural demand pulled forward by, I would say, probably we probably need five to ten years of basically no home sales to get back to equilibrium, best I can tell. And I did not see any realtor or car salesman person tweeting out there saying, boy, I really feel bad for all these families that are stretched to their financial limit to buy these overpriced properties or overpriced cars. I don't know how they're going to afford these monthly payments. If one thing goes wrong, they're in big trouble. They're going to get evicted or their car is going to get repoed. I didn't hear any of those. I didn't see any of those tweets because the commissions were also soaring with these things. But now the game is changing. Again, I'm not mad at them. I don't, I don't judge them. Lots of great people out there. But what happened is you got on the government gravy train. 
Not because you ask for it. It just happened that way. But there's always a downside to when the government takes over industries like this, when they distort markets. And if people would realize it, then maybe the next time they try it, we resist just a tiny, tiny bit. Be right back. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel, but it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So let go, watching you turn your back like you always do. Face away and pretend that I'm not, but I'll be here because you're all that I got. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. I am that show that sticks out like a sore thumb. You know, I'm not really getting into politics stuff today. I think I've got some of that for tomorrow. But I'm going to be really an odd show. Well, we got 14 months of tribal warfare coming up, and I'm going to be that show who (laughs) sticks his head up and just says, you guys are fighting the wrong battles. But anyway, I... uh, I wanted to take a look at this UAW strike. I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Look, as far as I'm concerned, if unions are voluntary and you don't have to join, I have absolutely no problems with them. I really have no problems with doing anything. If it doesn't directly harm, threaten, steal from somebody else, if people get together and voluntarily do something, uh, I'm fine by that. They're usually run by political types who benefit themselves more than the union membership, but if that's what you want to do to organize like that, go ahead and knock yourself out. Of course, I also support (laughs) the owner of a business having the freedom to fire everyone who strikes if they want to and replace them immediately, because that is also free market. Now, the the union, um, they do have a point with CEO pay. I did pull some of these numbers, because what's happened is the the financialization of everything. And again, this goes back to the Federal Reserve and endless money printing and the policies out of Washington, D.C. that have basically gotten the 0.01% at the trough of free money for decades now. But it has distorted, completely distorted the compensation uh, of the heads of these corporations. You understand that a company can afford to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to a CEO when really they, they don't need to necessarily really make profits. They can always go out and just borrow some money and invest it to, you know, they can borrow it at 1% and invest it at 5% or, and just live off the vig of that. And then everything else is just kind of play money. They've just so distorted capital in this country that CEO pay is out of control. General Motors CEO Mary Barra, the highest paid chief executive among the big three, made nearly $29 million in 2022. SEC commissioned filings show that this is 362 times the median GM employee's paycheck. UAW's president said that in comparison, a worker makes $16.50 as an hourly starting wage at uh, Ultium Cells, a GM joint venture battery plant in Lordstown, Ohio. Quote, that means a newly hired uh, Ultium worker would have to work full-time for 16 years to earn what Mary Barra Uh, makes in a single week. Now, in a free market where you have to earn things, if a CEO comes in, takes over a troubled company, and the company makes, you know, $50 billion, and they get paid $100 million, that's a good investment. Shareholders do well. The company's strong. They're hiring people. I got no problems with people making big money. But if you're going to make 
If you're going to make 362 times what somebody else makes, don't expect them to, to like that. It's a bad look. Uh, CEOs of the other companies, $21 million, $24.8 million. Currently, the CEO worker uh, to worker pay ratio is 365 to 1. And so, you know, if, if you're using, and the other thing too is a lot of this compensation for these CEOs is based on stock buybacks, which again, they were able to borrow money for basically nothing, go out and buy their own stock. This made their financials look better. So it made their stock go up. Their compensation is based on the stock. It's a game. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a financial, uh, what am I trying to use? Uh, it's, it's just a, it's a con and they've been using this for a while. Now, this is not to mention also for these companies, let's not forget, these companies shouldn't even exist in their current forms. Do you remember the 2008 financial crisis? We, we bailed them out. Taxpayers bailed these companies out. They would have sold for scrap somebody who was actually good at running a company that didn't indebt them that controlled their cost, that made a better product. Somebody would have picked up the pieces of the big three and made something of them. These companies shouldn't even exist. This is really maddening to me. It gets lost in, in all of this stuff that these companies shouldn't ex even exist. And to the union workers, you got bailed out too. Your jobs were saved by the U.S. taxpayer. But what, what's going to happen now, so the UAW workers are striking. They want, they want a lot. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, they're swinging for the fences. We're going to find out if they are at all negotiable, soft on some of their demands. They want, I think, 40% more. They want pensions instead of the 401ks. They want the employer to take the risk. They want a lot of things. Um, this isn't going to help them. And I would say the same thing to the UAW. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It made the news not long ago that UPS the UPS Drivers Union, or maybe there's a full union. Anyway, they won, what, they get $170,000 for a UPS driver. That's what it's headed to over five years, 10 years, something like that. I've already seen notices that UPS is laying people off. <laughs> I mean, this, this is not rocket science, people. Do you remember the fight for 15 that went on, particularly out here in, in, like, in states like California, where I am right now? These people fought for 15. They still can't pay their rent. Because that's not the problem. Your compensation is not the problem. Uh, if, if they win these things, cars will get a little bit more expensive, but I'm not going to lay uh, inflation on the workers that are asking for more. They are reacting to the inflation that was created by the federal government and the Federal Reserve hand-in-hand hand with both political parties that most of you are diehard supporters of one or the other. They create the inflation that makes it hard for people to survive at their current rate, so they demand extra pay. If they get the extra pay, the cost of what they produce goes up. Then all of it, I mean, what do you think happened at the UAW the day that they announced that UPS drivers were getting 170 grand a year? I guarantee you, there were some people knocking on the door of the UAE, UAW chief and going, hey, dude, did you just see what happened? If they can get one, say, you know, so this is going to continue to spread because everybody is attacking the wrong problem. It's not your income that is the problem. The problem is the cost of living and the inflation tax that your government has levied on you. The UAWs would do a much better thing for themselves and for the rest of us if instead of the picket lines around Ford and GM and Chrysler or whatever, the Stellantis, 
I still be a lot of economic stuff. I forgot about the Stellantis buyout, whoever that is. I guess it's private equity or something, another financial engineering success story. <laughs> they bought themselves a car company. Anyway, if you want to do something for yourself, for your standard of living, for your quality of life, you, you should be picketing at the Federal Reserve Office. You should be picketing at Congress that unleashed the inflation that took your formerly satisfactory salaries and turned it into pauper's wages. And so if we do not attack the problem at the root cause, then it's not going to matter. They can get this pay raise, and in 10 years they'll be demanding more because they'll be, fall, they'll be slowly sinking under the level of comfortable life in the United States all over again. It's, it's, this is just going to keep happening because nobody understands exactly what's going on. It's not—no, none of the problems that people are seeing right now, these people taking to Twitter and crying about not being able to make it in the world, it's not because you don't make enough money. It's not because your wages are too low, per se. What it is, is it is the inflationary environment of a government that overspends and prints a bunch of money and then sends out $1,200 checks, sends out uh, worker retention bonuses. All of these programs, all of this government spending has gone into the economy and made everything more expensive. It's not your wages. It's the government creating these problems. You can fight for 15. Now the people who are fighting for 15, what are they fighting for now? 25, 30, 40, 50 dollars an hour? Because and and the more they get it, it, it's like being a donkey. It's being like like a donkey with, you know, the uh, the stick coming through your uh, across your back and it's hung out with a carrot in front of your mouth about 5 feet and the donkey just keeps walking towards the carrot. Carrot swings a little bit towards them, and then it swings a little bit back, and they just keep walking trying to get that carrot, but they don't ever get the carrot because the stick is the problem. And that is exactly what's happening here in the United States. We are allowing these people, these parasites within our government and these financial institutions, the Federal Reserve being most notorious, because they are where the money printing happens. We are letting them get away with this, and we're screaming at employers, and we're screaming at at our employees, you're in a pitched battle between management and employees. And look, there's there's some battles there to be had. There's good management teams. There's bad management teams. There's, you know, there's good union workers. There's bad union workers. There, there's, there's gripes to be had across those lines. But we're totally ignoring the root cause of all of our problems. Same thing for the poor people. Poor people, you know, they don't, they don't like it when prices go up. They can't afford rent. They can't afford gas. But they don't understand it. They think the problem is, is that the government's not giving them enough money. No, the problem is the government's been giving you money for this long. That's what's happening to you and to your children. They're destroying. They're distorting everything. Until we figure this out, you're going to see more of these UAW things. I, I think I heard today there may be more people on strike right now than there has been for a while. Look, I, I'm all for a strike, too, and I'm not talking about a UAW strike. I'm talking about a, a nationwide—I don't know. Can I, I think I might be able to get in trouble for this. Maybe I, I can't call for anything. Is that, is that what the rule is? You can't call for a national strike? But I'll tell you right now. People across the spectrum, young, old, black, white, left, right, Republican, Democrat, every single one of you, you should be, I mean, a work stoppage until this government stops what it's doing right now. Now that might get you somewhere. And it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Be something new rather than every few years, different industries here, different industries there talking about 
going in and trying to get more raises. And here's the funniest thing about this. Not funny, ha-ha, but funny. Can you guys really not see what's coming funny? These car companies are losing a ton of money right now. I don't know overall. I haven't looked at balance sheets and P&Ls and things like that, but they're losing a ton of money on this attempt to electrify the car market. They're losing their butts. It's impossible. It's not cost-effective. Essentially, what it's going to end up being is a bunch of very expensive cars that very few Americans can buy. And even if Americans could buy them, that the grid can't support them. I mean, they are digging their own graves here with this move towards electric vehicles. So all of you union workers, you may get your 40% raise. You may get your pension. But you may not have that job for very long. My understanding, it takes 40% fewer workers to put together electric cars. How about that? There'll be a lot of you that aren't needed. You're going to spend all this time on the picket line fighting the wrong battle, really against the wrong people. Although I get it. I get it. You see the CEOs making 365 times what you're making. You're angry. I get it. I would be too. I wouldn't be satisfied anyway. But you're going to find yourself getting everything that you want and then losing your job in about a year. We're actually fighting two wrong battles when it comes to the car manufacturers. It's going to be fascinating to see exactly what goes on. But trust me, if UAW gets any concessions here, if they win something, they won't be the last one. Not sure what the next industry will be, but we're going to see strike after strike after strike each time fighting for money that will be worthless for you in three or four years anyway. Be right back. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho. All right, I've only got a few minutes left. I actually have some food stuff. Maybe I'll try to tuck it into tomorrow's show. <laughs> They're poisoning us, people. They are just flat out poisoning us so that they can make money off of us being sick. It's just the way it is. It's it's sad and it's sick, but we should be smart enough to not fall for it. But I'll finish with this. Uh, Peter Schiff tweeted this out. He said, the federal government now spends more money on Social Security, Medicare, interest on the national debt, and defense than it collects in taxes. So without cuts to these categories, even the government totally eliminated all other spending, the budget still wouldn't balance. This is the event horizon. And there's not a person that I hear on right-wing radio that's really talking about reining this in. I don't expect it on liberal radio, but they're lining up behind candidates who will do more of the same. Like it's not an issue, but like I said, it's one of those things where it's just not a big deal until it's a big deal. The Federal Reserve is currently losing $758 million per day paying interest to commercial banks on reverse repos and interest on reserves. The losses just reached $100 billion with a B. Before all of these wild games started, the Fed would send its profits to the U.S. Treasury each year. It was only a few billion dollars per year. But now the Fed has massive paper losses on their bond portfolio and massive daily losses on the money it has to pay to commercial banks to keep the system from falling apart. That's what I'm telling you. They've been bailing the banks out for months already. And I hate to say this, but do you want to know why we're doomed financially? And, and this was an odd place to find this and realize it. I was watching a Bill Burr, the comedian. I was watching the Bill Burr comedy special. One of the things I, st- when I watch a Bill, I have got a friend, I swear he looks exactly like Bill Burr, but I'm the only person that sees it. None of our other friends are even, they don't even go, man, you know, that's kind of true. They just go, what? 
<laughs> I mean, the guy looks just like him. This is, uh, again, I understand it's me. <laughs> so, something's wrong with me and my brain. But anyway, I was watching a Bill Burr comedy special. And he actually started talking about the Federal Reserve. This was, I think this clip was from a few years ago. He, he was asking why we let them just print money endlessly. And the government, nothing. I mean, excuse me, not the government. The crowd, the audience, nothing. They got nothing from it. I mean, he was kind of getting into something interesting. Carlin could have nailed it with it, but he, he couldn't get any traction. The crowd was just basically a couple little snickers and, you know, a little, little mumbling. But, I mean, you could tell he was losing the crowd, so he immediately switched to a joke about masturbating. And the crowd joined right back in. <laughs> That's what they wanted to hear. They were hooting and hollering as soon as he talked about playing with himself. We're living in idiocracy right now. Now, I don't think I make the Federal Reserve funny. Maybe it's just too difficult of a task for Bill Burr to make it funny and be part of a show. I kind of get that, but it was just, it was that switch from talking about something real to talking about something just really kind of gross and perverted and infantile. Crowd ate it up. Unfortunately, it's sad, but it's true. We're in idiocracy. <laughs> I, think, I think we're going down on the ship. Right now, political dialogue is nothing more than chimps hurling feces at each other takes about the same amount of brains to throw political talking points at your fellow little people. When something is real mentioned, just a blank stare. That's so sad. So sad. Maybe he'll try again. Got to get through to these people. That's all the time I got for today. Have a great one. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Here comes the boys for the sound. Here comes the-